Well, what is up, Substance? Make some noise. You made it to church, and you are gonna be glad you did today. If we haven't met yet, I'm Pastor Peter Haas. My wife and I uh, planted this church a while back, and we are in the middle of a teaching series on peace. I really believe that God wants to give you peace in all areas. And so we're, we're getting systematic about this. We're, we're not just talking about how to experience God's peace. I wanna, I wanna get practical about his principles of peace in, in every different area. And of course, uh, you know, we, in week one, we just talked about how to experience his peace and it was like peace 101, right? But then, but then it was, it, we talked about peace in our families. And of course, I really believe that God wants to also give us what we call financial Peace. Many of you guys know that I, I get the opportunity to speak at a lot of midweek conferences. Almost every week I'm, I'm somewhere around the United States. I always try to travel fast, right? I, I try to not be gone longer than 24 hours just because I always want to be here for my staff and for my, well, for my own family, right? For my own sanity. But I, I you know, part of the reason why we do it, part of the reason why I do it is because I, I really do believe that our church has a call to alter the body of Christ, to really help um, set up just functional structures in churches. So I'm usually, it's usually a pastor's event that I'm flying to wherever I'm at. And uh, of course, I know that a lot of you guys don't get to travel with me yet. Someday I wanna drag you all on a trip with me. But I, I just, uh, this last week, I got to speak at Dave Ramsey headquarters. And uh, it was, and then I got to speak in another church in the region and it was super fun. Uh, I ended up just shooting a little video so that you guys can get a little sneak peek about what it's, uh, just a little slice in my life. And so uh, check this out. What, what is, is up, Substance? substance? Hey, hey, I'm, I'm here, here in Franklin, Franklin Tennessee, Tennessee right, right now, now, just south, south of Nashville, Nashville and, I'm and I'm about to go, to go speak at uh, Dave, Dave Ramsey headquarters. headquarters. Many of you might know Dave Ramsey as like, like the infamous financial guru. A lot of you have actually gone through his, his classes, Financial PC University. We actually offer some of them right here at Substance. And so, to be honest, I'm kind of nervous. nervous. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I read, read Dave Ramsey's book, book uh, Total, Total Money Makeover, Makeover years ago, ago, and it kind of radically altered my life. In fact, actually, it's, it's a lot of what enabled me to be able to plant substances, just that I didn't have debt. And so I was able to live at a very, very low level. So I'm kind of nervous, nervous, to be honest. I never get nervous with most weekly gigs, but oh my gosh. So, Nate, do you think we're going to see Dave Ramsey today? Oh, certainly. Wow. Uh, Dave isn't kidding when he says if you live like no one else now, you can live like no one else later. Ain't no joke. Just, just met at day freaking For real, church, what we're actually doing here at Ramsey Solutions is we brought in pastors from all over the United States. We're actually coaching pastors. We wanted people just to be inspired by 
everything Dave Ramsey has done here, but also it's because we're doing this for ARC. We have a church planning organization. Every four to seven days we launch a church somewhere around the world. And so what we do, even at Substance, is a portion of every one of your dollars actually goes to helping launch a life-giving church somewhere around the United States. And so we're actually doing launch training for a lot of these pastors. And the reason why I'm telling you guys this is because a portion of every dollar you give at Substance actually goes to these church planters. And guess what? The churches we've already planted over the last decade, they give over $20 million to missions. And so every dollar that we sow is, in, is actually being multiplied. Of course, also when I'm down here, I'm going to be speaking at Mike Burnett's church tonight. Many of you guys remember Mike. We're going to talk to men and Now, I, now, the reason why I showed you that is because I, I don't think it was a mistake that the Lord set it up like this. I, I, as I'm preaching on peace, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey is famous for his financial peace university. Most, of you, most people don't even know this. Dave Ramsey is a very passionate believer. And uh, he says the only reason why he helps people with finances is ultimately so that he can help them spiritually help lead them to Christ, the real reason why he's been able to do all the things that he's done. And uh, of course, he has Financial Peace University. I mean, he literally has thousands of employees working for him that are just helping people get out of debt. And uh, of course, it was fascinating getting to spend time with him because he was, he was talking about how many people in the United States actually struggle with financial problems. Believe it or not, financial problems are the number one predictor of divorce. Uh, people say they get divorced for other reasons, but uh, research shows the cracks usually start over money. It's somebody either spending without working or spending while hiding it, called uh, financial infidelity, things like that, debates over debt loads. And of course, you know, like even just as I was there with him, I thought, wow, I didn't realize things were that bad. And I, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to find out that, oh yeah, America's not good at, at managing wealth, right? I mean, think about it like this, okay? We live on the wealthiest country, one of the wealthiest countries on earth, okay? Even our definition of poverty level here in the United States is actually the, the it's, it's, we, we say poverty level is anyone who lives under 26,000, right? But if you actually took that and compared that to the world, did you know that that's still in the top 6% of the world's wealthiest humans on earth? We are, in fact, the wealthiest Christians who have ever walked the face of the earth. One billion people live on less than 23 cents a day. Another billion live on less than a buck a day. Another billion live on less than $3 a day, okay? So, I mean, like, even poverty in the United States. We talk about, you know, people whine about the United States not being great. Listen, there's not a single, actually, there's hardly a single person in Minneapolis who isn't in the top 3% of the world's wealthiest people, okay? And yet, despite that, we still, 63% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. What does that mean? It means that we're just broke at a different income level. You know what I'm saying? It's, we all have, you know, we just find a way to spend the money. It doesn't matter how much we get. We'll find a way to be broke at a new income level, right? A staggering 77% of Americans are in some sort of stress-filled debt. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but last week, uh, the news announced that we set a new record in regards to credit card debt. 47% um, of all credit card holders, one out of two, now have an ongoing debt balance 
on their credit card, and it's the first time in history that credit card debt passed the $1 trillion mark, and you gotta understand, okay, like uh, credit cards are the worst type of loan you could possibly get. They charge the highest interest rates, some of them 20, 30% interest, which is terrible, even in a normal year, but especially now with inflation soaring, it's literally one of the most riskiest things a person can do. It's doubly bad, and then of course, uh, you also know, it's all over the news that this September, uh, student loan repayments are starting again, uh, in, which, which basically means this. America is about to hit a massive wall of financial stress this fall, okay? I don't think there's a single economist out there that would deny that fact. And now the reason why that is so important for, for people like you and me is that whenever the United States hits a wall like that, I, there is an uptick in divorce, there is an uptick tip tick in suicide and all sorts of things, okay? So we're about to see unprecedented financial stress. And, the, and, and some of you are like, well, Pastor Peter, that's so depressing. Well, here's the good news, okay? God has a plan to prevent all of this. And if we could just literally be the good news first, we're gonna be able to share the good news of financial peace with so many people. And that's why the Bible talks about this subject probably more than any other topic. There's over 2,300 verses in the Bible regarding finances and stewardship, probably more than any other topic. And why? Because God wants you to be free, to be filled, to live life to the fullest with financial peace. And so today, what I'm about to share with you is not only gonna give you financial peace, but I, I want you to thrive. I want you to kick butt, take names, and every one of your neighbors to say, what's going on at that house, okay? That's what I want people to say. And, and some of you, I promise you, when you hear what I'm about to share with you, you are gonna be filled with so much hope that you're gonna wanna listen to this message again. So maybe you should take notes, okay? So but before, before we jump jump right in, okay? I, one of the main messages God emphasized throughout both the Old and the New Testament is one of margin, financial margin, okay? Let me just show this to you. In the book of Proverbs 21.20, it says, in the house of the wise, we're gonna learn about wise people here, and you and I wanna be wise, okay? So listen up. In the house of the wise, there are stores. That means a lot of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Now remember, throughout most of history, this was an agricultural society. If you had uh, stores of choice food and oil, that means basically a modern translation would say, in the house of the wise, there is a very full bank account. There is lots and lots of margin in the bank account is basically the modern version of this, okay? And, and why? Margin is how God intends for us to purchase peace. Margin equals peace. And not only equals peace, it ultimately means a mission, okay? But let me, let me explain why, okay? So let me give you an example. Have you ever had one of those really bad car weeks before? Come on, somebody. You're in a bad car week right now. The car you got here in, you had to sweet talk it all the way to church, you know what I'm saying. I, I've, had, I've had those weeks too, okay? I, in fact, one month, believe it or not, I got rear-ended three times in one month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, they were not, like, not enough to like, you know, get a good insurance amount. You know, like I, I just, it was literally, the moment I got my car back, I had to like put it back into the, the repair shop again. Okay, so I, I was having one of those bad car months where 
I had three different $1,000 repairs happen to our vehicles. Now, fortunately, I had a mentor tell me, Peter, you need to get a car repair fund, okay? Years ago, someone taught me that the average car costs a little over $2,000 a year to maintain, uh, usually about $800 for oil changes and, and new tires and rotation tires, all that kind of stuff, maintenance, okay, just ongoing stuff, and then usually another $1,200 for some sort of surprise thing, okay? So technically, it's not a surprise. You can actually plan on your car breaking down, which all things do break down, by the way. But the point is, is that, so one year, I just thought, you know what? I want to purchase peace. And so how do I purchase peace? Well, I made the decision. We're going to skip our vacation. We're going to take that money that we would have put towards a vacation, and we're going to put it into a car maintenance fund. Not a car, not a savings account for a future car, a car, the cars that we currently have. We're going to have these funds for our cars, two grand a year for each car that we have, and yeah, it was a drag. Did I like it? No, but you know what? Once I had purchased this piece by having this, uh, this margin in my savings account, all of a sudden, when I came upon that bad day, it turned a disaster into merely a downer. Do you know the difference, right? Some of you, instead of having a downer day, you had a disaster day. You see, that's why I'm always trying to tell people that a plan prevents a pinch, okay? If you have a financial plan, margin, it'll prevent that pinch. A financial map will avoid a financial trap. If you, what is a financial map? It's a budget. It's you saying, you know what, every single year, I attend X amount of weddings. How many wedding gifts is that? Every single year, my car requires this much maintenance. How much does that cost? Every single year, Christmas is not a surprise. Guess what, it's coming. You can plan on that now. Guess what? There, I mean, you can actually predict most of this stuff. I mean, we act like the world is a mystery. You know what I'm saying? No, it costs money. And you can predict a lot of those costs. A plan prevents a pinch. A financial map avoids a financial trap. And, and, and so ultimately, financial margin is how we purchase Peace, okay? So my ability to stay filled with God's life is directly in proportion to the priorities that I make in my financial planning. And for a guy who's ADHD and hates to plan, okay, that, you can understand this is hard. I empathize with you. But listen, you're going to pay the price either way, okay? You're either going to have the pain of humiliation and reaction or you're going to have the pain of prevention. Either way, pain's not an option, but I can tell you one thing. The pain of prevention is much cheaper than the pain of reaction. And unfortunately, a lot of us, we've been reacting to these surprises, and as a result, we're just digging ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper into a financial hole. And there's a, But there's a spiritual principle here, and this doesn't even just apply to, to finances. You could talk about your time, right? Sabbath is margin, right? Taking time out to be with the Lord. The Sabbath commandment is the one that enables us to obey the other nine commandments. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you live a little too frantically and, 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 and you have... You have no margin in your life, guess what? You're gonna have a shorter fuse, you're gonna have more anger, you're gonna have more emotional problems. That's why at the end of the day, the Bible teaches your priorities determine your capacities. I remember hearing Andy Stanley share that years ago. It's just kind of a summation of the margin teachings in scripture, be it related to Sabbath or finances, okay? But your priorities 
determine your capacities. This, your capacity is your ability to live at rest, live at peace, to be wealthy, to all these other things in life that God wants you to live life to the fullest. Your priorities determine your capacities. And I, I say this particularly in regards to finances because a lot of people buy into the myth that wealth comes from income or wealth comes from opportunity. Completely false. In fact, actually, the people that tend to earn more actually spend more. They're actually not trending towards wealth, they're trending towards the opposite. You actually look at income, income has nothing to do with wealth, okay? And the more you buy into that lie, and it's all over the place, okay? And, and I'm, I'm gonna prove that in a second, but at, at the end of the day, it's, it's your priorities, okay? Now let me just, let me unpack this a little bit. In the Old Testament, God continually taught his people, the Israelites, priority principles. You do these things first, these things second. If they prioritized God and did all these things, God would bless them so thoroughly to the, in front of the entire world that the entire world will ask, why are the Israelites so blessed, okay? And in turn, the Israelites were actually trained to say, when this happens, God was like, I want you to be ready when this happens because it's gonna happen. When you put me first, I'm gonna bless you, and then the world's gonna say, why are you so blessed? And you are to say, because of our God and the laws he has given to us. So why are you so blessed? Because of our God and because of the laws that he has given to us. And then as a result, people would be like, well, dang, I need to learn these laws. I need to learn about your God. And then, and then you could share God with them, okay? That was the whole plan of like the Israelites in the Old Testament, okay? So uh, it's kind of like this, okay? Have you ever seen a guy with huge muscles and you're like, dang, what's your workout routine, right? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I literally, so this last Wednesday, I was speaking at Mike Burnett's church. He lives right next to an army base where like half of his church are like special forces. You wanna talk about really buff guys, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I came up to one guy, I'm like, what's up? And I tapped his arm and then I broke all my fingers. It was like <laughs> pure steel, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, how many of you know? I was like, dang, what is your routine? Like how, do you, how did you get those pythons, right? I mean, like when people look at me, they usually say the opposite. Do you ever lift weights? You know what I'm saying? Like you're so, uh, no, like honestly, like I, I was playing pickleball with my daughters recently and, and they saw me in shorts for like the first time in a long time and they were like, dang, have your legs ever seen the sunshine? They were like blinding white. It was just like, oh, what the heck? You know, like, uh, you see, when people are around us, they will ask questions. What kinds of questions are they asking about you? Right? Well, God wanted to bless his people so much that they would be, that people around them would be compelled to ask, why are you so blessed? Because of our God and the laws he has given to us. And what kind of laws? He gave a lot of different laws about financial stewardship. Keep in mind, the Israelites were slaves for over 400 years. They didn't know how to manage money. Heck, they barely had any money because they were slaves, right? And so all throughout the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, God gave them thousands of painstaking details. And the goal of these passages were not merely good financial management. Ultimately, the goal was not just to get them financially healthy. It was ultimately evangelism and social justice, okay? God doesn't bless us just so that we can become, you know, uh, fat and wealthy, ultimately we're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a conduit. He wanted his people to, to understand these principles so that they could take over every government on earth, not through war, not through politics, but through generosity and wealth. That was his plan. He wanted evangelism to be funded and fueled by generosity and social justice so that everybody would be like, wow, who expends themselves so much on behalf of the poor, the widow, the alien like the Israelites do? 
That was ultimately the goal. It was evangelism and social justice. And so to accomplish this, this goal, God gave them all sorts of giving systems, okay? So for example, in the Old Testament, you read there were three different types of tithes taught in the Old Testament. The Ma'aser Rishon, the Ma'aser Shanai, the Ma'aser Anai. Three different types of tithes. Then there was the thing called first fruits, which was fundamentally different than tithes. It was like 1.4 to 2.5% of your income. And um, if you're in... I don't want to get lost in all the details. In fact, I actually wrote a blog. If you're curious about the whole Old Testament system of, of giving, um, it's called sadaka or like or tzadaka in, in Hebrew or to use the, the American expression, sadaka. Um, I have a blog on that. You can actually read that. I don't want to get lost in all the, uh, all the, the details of that, but... Um, I, Many of you guys have heard of the church tithe, the Ma'aser Rishon, which is God says, I want you to give 10% to the institution that is committed to preaching the scripture. And in doing so, God will multiply your 90% so thoroughly that it'll be bigger than if you, if you held on to all 100%, okay? So it's give 10% to the church to, that teaches you this kind of stuff, and then your remaining 90% will be expanded, okay? That was the Ma'aser Rishon. Now, uh, ultimately, one of these tithes, the one that I want to focus on is what I call the self-tithe, and uh, it was the Ma'aser Shanai in Hebrew. It was, it was where God required every good Israelite to save 10%, to pay themselves, to save 10% their entire adult Life. In other words, they, they lived on less than 80%. If you do the math, uh, they gave 10% to the church, paid 10% to themselves. It was a little more complex than this. This is why I wrote the blog. But God promised, though, ultimately, that if you would just live on 80% Israelites, a little less than 80%, you, my people, will be so wealthy, you will overtake the world. Okay. Now, if you think about it, it would still work today. So if you did the Ma'aser Shana, you saved 10% your entire adult life. Guess what? You would be a millionaire very, very quickly. And let me just prove it to you. If you went to your financial planner today, this isn't like even a, a miracle, okay? This is literally just practical math, okay? If you went to your financial planner and said, what would happen if I just had a me like a, a median American salary, okay? Just somewhere like in the 50 grand range, uh, a median American salary, and uh, I saved 10% my entire adult life, okay? Well, starting at... 21 years old, let's say you started working, you just took 10%, threw it in a mutual fund, okay? Now, by the time you reached your mid-70s, guess what? You would have just shy of 35 million. Wait a second, Pastor Peter. You just, you're saying that any old Joe out there with a median salary in the United States could, could, make, could make just shy of $35 million just by saving 10% their entire adult life? Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay, now imagine if two generations did this, which is what the Lord basically said, I want you to continue to do this. Okay, so if two generations take 10%, save it their entire adult life, right, that number in that fund would grow to $207 million by the second generation. And, and remember, we're not talking about Bill Gates-level income. We're talking about just normal people, mechanics, food service workers, uh, people that work in hotels, people that just make the median average amount, saving 10% their entire life. By the third generation, get this, that number would be over $1.2 billion. $1.2 billion, even if... 
After three generations, your family didn't even add to that fund. The interest alone would generate $150 million a year, okay? The Lord knew this would happen if they did this, okay? That's why he told the Israelites to do it. And, uh, and, and God was even, if you really think about it from God's perspective, he's thinking, gosh, three out of five generations could fall away, because let's be honest, every family has the black sheep, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say, let's say two do it good, and then the next three fall away, and then, two, and then they realize, oh, let's go back to the old way, and then two do it again. Listen, even then, that family would be extremely, extremely wealthy, and sure enough, that's why to this day, Jewish people tend to be wealthy. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever noticed that? Well, it's not rocket science, it's just really Read your Bibles, people, okay? Get this. Jewish people comprise only 2% of the American population, and yet the Forbes top 400 wealthiest billionaires, 25% of them are Jewish. Why? Because if one or two of those generations actually took the Bible seriously, it would naturally happen that way. According to Forbes, also according to Forbes, six of the leading 20 venture capital funds in the U.S. belong to Jewish people. Not a big shocker, right? In 2008, Pew Research Institute found that over 46% of American Jews make more than $100,000 a year. If you're Jewish, one out of two people make over hundred grand. Now, it's not, again, it's not rocket science. Just read the Old Testament and say, what if we did it? In fact, the cool thing is, you and I can do this. I mean, it's not like it's even a miracle. It's called basic math. Save 10% your entire adult life. What is stopping us? Right? Well, I'll tell you what's stopping us. There's billions of dollars being spent on advertising telling us, you need this, you need that, and you need it younger, and you need it younger, and you need it younger. You deserve this. You should be entitled to this. In fact, the government should supply it for you. Uh, like, everybody's kind of giving us this, ent this entitlement mentality, but the one argument I want to make today, and this is actually the one that will lead you to true health, and it's this. The Apostle Paul was mentoring young Timothy, and talk about some good mentoring advice right here. The Apostle Paul says one single sentence that could ultimately radic that could ultimately make you a millionaire if you really think about it, okay? He says this, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness plus contentment, what I have is enough, equals what? Great Gain. Say it all with me one last time. But godliness with contentment is great gain. What is gain? Gain is getting ahead. Gain could be uh, financial. Uh, I think another word for gain could be wealth. We could also take this spiritually, gain in your marriage, joy in your marriage. We could talk about healthy kids, gain in your kids, better academics, gain, your kids go further than you did. We could talk, I mean, we could talk about gain in terms of mental health, okay? God wants you to gain, and some of you are like, well, how about not gain weight, right? Uh, okay, get, get ahead in, in muscle, right? Gain muscle. Listen, how do we get it? The formula is very simple, godliness, contentment. Godliness, contentment. Godliness, contentment. Now, I, I just, I say all of that because once again, I believe that wealth has very little to do with income or opportunities and everything to do with knowledge and small habits. And so what I want to do is just to show you the, some math that will blow your mind. I want to show you a quick little video that I applied to my life years ago, and it's reaping massive dividends. Check this out. 
Someone recently asked me, Pastor Peter, what is the best financial tip anyone has ever given to you? In other words, what one change had the biggest positive impact on your finances? And immediately my mind went back to an old Dave Ramsey book about cars. He made the case that one simple decision about cars can actually make you a multimillionaire regardless of what your income is, no matter how cruddy your job is. You can become a multimillionaire with one decision about cars. And I, I realize that kind of sounds almost a little too good to be true, but I can promise you, here I am now, 27 years later after reading that, and it is happening for me, okay? So what I'm about to tell you, though, is not actually about cars, it's about stewardship, and it's about priorities, because you could probably apply this to any number of financial issues, but uh, in order to explain this, I'm going to borrow a little lesson from that same old book, RamseySolutions.com. It's going to totally rock you, okay? So to start, though, allow me to give you a little bit of math. Now, Cars have gotten a little more and more expensive. Am I right? Okay, so like at the time this video is made, the average new car costs about $41,378. Okay, that's a lot. $41,000. And the average car payment is $577 for new cars, about $413 for used cars. Okay, that's the average payment. Now, it's common for a new car to lose over 25% of its value the second you drive it off. Lot, which means, means man, man, a brand, brand new, new car, car burns around 10K right off the bat. But, but hey, hey, even, even a, used a used car, car a car that's, that's in the first five, five years of its life, it loses a crazy amount of value. value. Get this, over 60% of its value is lost in the first five years. That's at least 25 grand for the average car. And, and, and if a person gets a car loan on top of that, man, it's even worse because uh, check out this map. The average person pays close to 50 grand for the total cost of a loan, now worth maybe 16 grand in five years, all because we wanted a car in the first five years of your life. Okay? That, it's, it's basically the equivalency of, of tossing a $20 bill out of your car window every day for five years. And get and this, this, even worse, after, after five, five years, the average American is going to repeat this entire process again because, hey, hey they're, they're sick of their car and they want a new one, one every five years. years. So, so, a few, a few decades, decades ago, ago, I actually decided, decided to apply Dave Ramsey's, Ramsey's advice. advice. I decided, I decided I'm only going to buy cars in cash. cash. And, and yeah, yeah, I got to admit, admit, my first several cars were pretty doggone ugly. I had a... 81, 81 Buick with Saber. Oh, oh my gosh, gosh. this was, was a beast. beast. Then, then I upgraded to a, a, a 93 set Chevy, Chevy Lumina, Lumina, and then eventually I got a little, little dignity with a Honda CRV. CRV but, but the, the, the truth, truth is, is, I drove junkers until I was about 30, and then at 30 years old, I upgraded to cars that were five year old cars. And, and all the all while, while I, I, put I put the same, same money, money that I would have put, put into a car payment into investments, investments okay? okay? And, and, and listen, listen, young people, young if people, you started, started doing, doing this at 21 years old, old get this, this. In, in 10, 10 short, short years, years, you would have $101,854, okay? Within 20 years, by the time you turn 41, you would have $376,000 
in investments. And remember, you're still buying nice cars. You're just buying them in cash, okay? And then investing that car payment instead. Now, let's skip ahead and show the math for when you retire. Listen, by the time you reach retirement, you'd have just shy of $10 million. Come on. Now, I love cars, but I've yet to see a car that's worth $10 million. Okay? I mean, this one decision can literally change your life. And you can work a minimum wage job your entire life. But, but by, by simply buying cars, cars in cash, cash retire a multi-multi-millionaire. Here's the deal. What I'm actually teaching you about is the principle of compound interest. We don't we need don't to limit, limit this conversation, conversation to cars, cars because, because, my goodness, my goodness there's, there's a dozen, dozen other small decisions, decisions just like this that can, that can have, have a similar, similar impact. impact. But, but here's my point. point. Don't, don't miss this. Imagine, Imagine if a, a tiny group, group of college, college students, students actually did what, what I'm saying. Imagine, Imagine if, if I could talk a hundred college students into making this simple decision. Get this. By the end of their lives, they would collectively possess billion seven hundred and twenty seven million four hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred and forty eight dollars come on the interest alone off that money would generate seven hundred and forty million dollars a year you see the question, the question is not, is can you and I change, change the world? The, the question, question is, are we willing, willing to? to? The, the question, question is not, can the Lord use me? The question is, am I willing to embrace the small sacrifices to steward my life in a way that God could use? Because one thing is definitely for sure. Whoever can be trusted with very little, Jesus said, can also be trusted with much. And I'm telling you, that is true not only in, in this, this life, life, but most, most assuredly, assuredly in the in life, the life to, come. to come. Isn't that crazy, church? Now, obviously, this, this conversation is not limited to cars. Some of you are like, oh, no, I just bought a new car. I screwed up the world. You know, like... Okay, if that's you, don't worry. There's a million ways to actually make compound interest work for you. And, and actually today, I, I released a blog where I take that video and I break down the numbers times 10 for any one of you that really wants to research that or dive into the math. And I, I realize some of you really want to chew on those stats. And in fact, actually, I did, I did four different blogs on finances. I actually wrote... No matter where you're at in relationship to finances, whether you're a college student or you're 70 years old and you've, you feel like you've made a lot of mistakes, okay, I have some tips for you. And, and in fact, I wrote four different blogs. I just want to make sure that you know. First off, the, the first blog is an extended version of that video you just saw in detail of how you can still drive nice cars yet eliminate that car payment. 
Um, the second one is, is called how to manage money so it doesn't manage you. And I give all of my rules of thumb, all of my rules that I teach to my own kids about credit cards. If you want to know, like, how Carolyn and I see debt, uh, like, what's an appropriate mortgage? What, if you're going to buy a house, what is the appropriate down payment that you should have? If you, like, all of those types of questions. I even have, like, what's the appropriate amount of college debt? Um, I have all of that in that blog, How to Manage Money So It Doesn't Manage You. And then I even have one that is specifically for young adults, 20-somethings. If you are in college, the, what are the best financial decisions you could make if you are in college or immediately after college that will turn you into a multi-multi-millionaire? And so if you see a young person sitting by you, just make friends with them now because they're a future Bill Gates if they read those blogs. Okay, so and some of you are like sitting next to your kids. You're like, you're reading that today. Uh, I, no, I, seriously, for real, do it. Um, and then, of course, I have one last nerdy one, and it's the whole Old Testament system of the three tithes, first fruits, all the biblical foundations for that. It's kind of a nerdy one, but it, it, it's really all about how God's plan was to take over the world through generosity and social justice. So uh, make sure you read those at peterhaas.org forward slash finances, okay? But coming back to that video, the, the point I wanted to make is this. Your priorities determine your capacity. It's the small habits the small sacrifices you make now that will, if you live like no one else now, Dave Ramsey says, you'll live like no one else later, right? Uh, but don't buy into the lie that it's income or opportunities because that's completely false. It's not true at all. And in fact, when I was 20, somebody actually came up to me. I had a mentor in the church that was like, Peter, you know what? If you could just get 25 grand in, in mutual funds by the time you turn 25, and even if you never touch it again, you'll have 12 million by the time you retire. And he challenged me. He's like, Peter, would you be willing to do that? And of course, I really looked at my finances. I thought, what would it take over the next five years for me to save up 25 grand? And, um, you know, I, I, I think about that, 12 million by the time you retire. I mean, we tell young people, we basically encourage young people, go to college, spend, go, go $125,000 in debt, and then, and then you're gonna, which you're gonna pay off until 40, right? And for one-fifth the cost, if we literally just gave them 25 grand, they'd all be millionaires. I mean, come on, what are we doing? Ah, what are we doing? I, suddenly we understand why, and, and please understand, I'm pro-college too, okay? I just don't think that we should be making everybody go into such debt to do it. But here's the idea. I mean, come on. My, that, you can suddenly see why God said about his own people in Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Little habits will change the world. It's not income, it's not opportunity that creates wealth, it's knowledge, it's priorities, it's godliness plus contentment. In fact, I even have a link on my blog uh, to a, a teaching that if you can live even self-discipline for 12 years, maybe you're like 60 years old and you're like, I already screwed it up, so there's no hope for me. No, it's never too late. I even have a, a, a link to how you can save up a million dollars in 12 years if you're willing to be self-disciplined, and it doesn't even require miracles to do it, okay, or winning the lottery, okay? So just, it, it's just practical stuff, but, but when my mentor challenged me to do something, he actually challenged me to do something similar. It was actually, he, he said, Peter, if you can even do 14,000 by the time you're 25, you will retire a millionaire, and of course, I, I, I took up that challenge, and I was like, I'm gonna do it, come hell or high water, and he said, invest in things that appreciate, not depreciate. Depreciation, depreciative things are like clothing, furniture, appliances. Those are things that depreciate. And so I made this vow, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to buy any furniture or any appliances until I get 
this 14 grand in mutual funds? Well, it sounded cool until all my friends started getting nice cars and nice furniture, right? And then when, when my wife and I moved into our first house, along the way, the couch cushion fell out of the trailer. Come on, have you ever seen a random thing on the side of the road and wondered how it got there? This guy didn't tie it down. I didn't tie down the, the stupid couch cushions enough with enough straps. And so uh, along the way, as we were moving, um, I lost my couch cushion somewhere in America. So now what do I do? I made this commitment. I'm not gonna get any furniture until I finish this investment challenge. And we're still like two, three years out. And so literally get this. We lived without a center couch cushion for over a couple years, okay? It was like this really awkward, like you come over to watch a movie at Peter's house, guess what? I'm not gonna make you sit in the middle, okay? I'll sit awkwardly 12 inches underneath you and we're gonna watch this movie. Why? Because doggone it, I was cheap, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. In fact, how awkward is that? Uh, actually, we had a woman come over to our, this is the one we were already senior pastors and she knew we had more money, but she, and she was actually a seamstress and she thought that was ridiculous and so she goes, I'll help you out. She literally took the fabric from the back of the couch and made a couch cushion for us and so we finally could watch a, a normal movie, you know what I'm saying, all at the same height. But I, I just, listen, I believe that when you take natural steps, God will add supernatural to it. When you prove stewardship, He'll actually add supernatural to it. The same thing happened when we moved up here. Uh, we, we made this, when we planted this church, we pre-committed to live at poverty level for the first 10 years of this church. And so we, we and, and, and we didn't have money for little stuff, right? So of course, you know, when we were living in Friendly Fridley, just down the road, I, you know, the, the, the city assessed our property and said, we're gonna build a sidewalk, which means it's gonna cost you, you know, they, they gave us like two grand and I'm like, ah, I don't wanna pay for a sidewalk. And of course, we were a corner lot, so that was like doubly bad, right? And that means we have to redo our driveway. And of course, our church trailer was so heavy that it made these giant potholes in the, in the driveway on top of that. And I'm like, ah, I don't wanna, I want a big screen TV. You know what I'm saying? I don't wanna pay it into blacktop. And I, I just, I was so frustrated. And, and, and in the middle of my wine fest, Carolyn said, hey, Peter, let's trust God. <sighs> okay, getting all spiritual on me now. All right, let's trust God. We prayed, God, I pray that you would provide money for this driveway. Supernaturally, you can do this. And of course, I was holding on to the, the proposal, the, the bid that we had for it. it was like 2000 something. And I was like, ah, okay, God, you can do this. Well, literally the next day, a random girl in our church, college student, said the Lord spoke to me to give you this money and she wrote out a check for the exact amount that was bid in that, that driveway thing. And I kept thinking, what are the odds? God cares about my blacktop. What are the odds that he already spoke to her and she had already sent it before I even prayed? You know what? God has a solution before you even knew you had a problem. And if you, if you would just humble yourself and ask him for his supernatural, I'm promising you it'll show up because the Bible is filled with examples of God giving windfall gain to his people, supernaturally providing, multiplying loaves and fish, multiplying money for a temple tax for the apostle Peter or 2 Chronicles 20. God took out an entire army supernatural and it took God's people three days to haul the plunder home. Come on, God can snap his fingers and change things for you. Exodus 12, it even, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt, God, it says that God supernaturally made the Egyptians favorable towards his people. And they gave huge amounts of money to the Israelites as they were leaving. Listen, listen, God can make anyone favorable to you, and he will. 
But I believe that ultimately we need to practice the stewardship that can sustain the weight of those blessings or we're just going to lose it anyway. Are you hearing me? And, and listen, it, so at the end of the day, it starts with surrender. And if you're out there and you're overwhelmed, let, let the church help you lift that burden. That's why we're here. That's why we're going to do parenting classes this fall. It's why we're going to do Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University classes this fall. We've got connect groups that are going to be processing this sermon that can help you. It's, it's, life is way easier when you do it along other people that are sacrificing. But if you'd be willing to take the natural steps, God will add the supernatural to your natural. And that's what I want. But it starts with surrender. And so wherever you're at, I just, I want you to know this. God knows what you need before you ask Matthew 6, 8, and will provide all that you need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. And if you would just surrender to him right here and right now, I believe he's gonna meet you where you're at. And maybe you're new to this old God thing and you're like, I, I don't even know if I've ever done that. Well, just right here, right now, I'm gonna end with a simple little prayer and I want you to close your eyes. And I want you just to take your burdens and I want you to lay them down before the Lord. Just imagine the Lord sitting before you and I want you just to imagine you're taking whatever burdens they are, financial burdens, vocational burdens, family burdens, financial burdens, just lay them down before the Lord. And I want you just to, just between you and God, I want you just to take whatever little bit of faith you got and say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. You see every person here today, you see all the circumstances that surrounding our lives, Lord, you, you see some of us have been victim of, of maybe bad circumstances. Others, we, we made ourselves into victims by making terrible choices. And yet, God, you have a plan to redeem all of us no matter what, whether we deserve our current situations or not, you have a plan of redemption and restitution that will ultimately glorify your name and enable us to live for evangelism and social justice throughout the world. And, and so God, I pray that you'd start right here just by, by ruling and reigning in our hearts. And church, if you're agreeing with what I'm praying, then just pray this after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me, renew me, and lead me starting today for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. With all that said, we're gonna have our campus pastors come on up and tell us where we're gonna go next. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.